Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Biblical righteousness demonstrates the grace of God. Biblical righteousness is sent in the envelope of grace, delivered with the hands of mercy. It states in verse 19, because Joseph was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Joseph struggled with the news that his wife-to-be had become miraculously pregnant. He was going to quietly break it off with Mary until God stepped in and made his will known through an encounter with an angel. Joseph could have doubted. He could have questioned his own capability to raise the Messiah. He could have stepped aside. But as Pastor Ed teaches us in today's message, Joseph was obedient to the will of God, despite knowing the hardship and scorn he was certain to face. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. He's the forgotten man of Christmas. Perhaps it's because he's so quiet. I mean, he's right there at center stage, but he never speaks. He listens, listens real carefully, and obeys. But he never says a word. But he has so much to teach you and to teach me about the meaning of Christmas, the forgotten man of Christmas. As you look at the well-known text found in Matthew's gospel, the first chapter, you meet him, and the very first thing you hear about him and see in the narrative is that um, he's hurt. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have here the obedience that would lead to righteousness. Joseph was a young man. In that culture, men around 18, 19 would marry. And the women were generally about 13, 14, and 15 years of age. In fact, families would arrange the marriages, much like countries do in different countries around the world, like I think years ago, how India. And even here in America, at the turn of last century, many times the families were far more involved in the marriages than they are today. Parents would meet together and talk among themselves. Well, in that culture, the parents of Nazareth met together and uh, Mary and Joseph were matched. 
and they had a, an engagement. Now, this engagement was very binding, not like engagements here in America. Uh, the engagement to break it, you'd have to literally divorce a person. And so there was a year of preparation where each lived in there with their own families. Well, Mary went away for a few months. She went to visit her aunt, Elizabeth. And when she came back to Nazareth, she was about four months pregnant. And uh, she told Joseph. Joseph, the Bible says, he was a righteous man. But his righteousness was not pharisaical. Now, there's a righteousness that is self-righteousness. There's a righteousness that people think they're better than everybody else around them because, well, maybe what they've done or haven't done. But that's not the biblical righteousness. The biblical righteousness, that's what Joseph had in verse 19. It reads, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, Joseph wanted to follow the law of God, and the law demanded that he would get a divorce. Adultery broke the bond of marriage. It broke the Betrothal, the engagement, and so he was going to follow the scriptures. Now, Joseph was scrupulous about what doing what is right. Biblical righteousness means that you follow the scriptures even if the culture doesn't agree with it. It means that you order your life not by the standards of a society or a constant changing culture that changes at every turn. No, it means that you take God's word and you order your life by his word and that becomes a standard of your life. And that's what Joseph was doing. He was following God's word, following God's standard. And so he knew that he had to seek a divorce. His righteousness, though, in it, there was compassion. Look at the text again. You see, biblical righteousness demonstrates the grace of God. Biblical righteousness is sent in the envelope of grace, delivered with the hands of mercy, states in verse 19, because Joseph was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He's hurting. A trust has been broken. He's been betrayed. At least that's what he feels. That's what he thinks. Those are his emotions. But Joseph still is compassionate towards Mary. Doesn't want to make a public spectacle. He doesn't want to see her wounded and hurt. He knows those arrows of gossip that will fly in that small village will tear her to shreds. And so he's determined to do it 
quietly, two or three people. And he's thinking about all of these things. Obedience that leads to righteousness embraces God's will and God's way, but embraces God's heart and compassion as well. And so with a tender heart, you recognize him not blowing up in anger, not destroying her, but seeing how he could redeem the situation in the best possible way. I tell you this, I tell you, if obedience leads you to righteousness and you walk in that obedience, it will also open up revelation to you. Because obedience to God opens up the heavens so that he could speak and we could hear. Obedience, it opens up revelation. In verse 20, it says, after he's considering, he's thinking, he's pondering about all of these things, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. And then again in chapter two, we see an angel of the Lord appears to him. We know an angel of the Lord appears at least twice to Joseph, at least twice. And as Joseph is thinking and contemplating and wondering and restless, he's gonna receive a revelation from God. Revelation always waits upon our capacity to receive it. Revelation always waits upon your capacity to receive it. As you obey and as you listen, God speaks. And as you obey and as you listen, God speaks. And his voice becomes clearer, louder, more distinct. And there she receives a personal, he receives a personal revelation in 120. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, look at these words, circle them, underline them. I'm sure Joseph did. He never would forget these words because he would need these words all through the journey. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Don't be afraid, because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, as he is listening, God's giving him revelation that's going to impact his life. Do you know God could speak to us directly? Uh, God can speak to you through a dream, a vision, his word. Uh, through a brother or sister, uh, through even a sermon, he can speak. He hasn't lost his voice. And he's speaking here to Joseph. And Joseph is pondering, taking these things into his heart. And it's changing Joseph. He says, God says, don't be afraid. Joseph had to quiet his soul so that he could hear that voice of the Lord. And something else is gonna happen in the midst of this. He's gonna receive a revelation, a prophetic word. It was a personal word, a word right for him that he's gonna carry with him all through the journey of his life. But it was a prophetic word because he's going to have insight 
that he had never had before. God's going to open things to his mind that he had not seen before. What he sees is incredible. See, the Jews would go and offer a lamb, an animal, and on that holy day, that high day, the day of atonement, they would remember their sins were covered by that animal, that lamb. But the angel says, you call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. There's a key in the genealogy found in chapter one that unlocks some of the meaning of that word, Jesus saving us from our sins. Just look at Matthew chapter one and look who are in the genealogy. There's Bathsheba. And the text is careful to say, Uriah's wife. <laughs> Someone would remember all the things associated with Bathsheba and David, that messy story. And David. And then Rahab, the harlot. They're in the genealogy. Even though they were in the Old Testament, it was the cross of Christ that redeemed them and made them Old Testament saints. And it's a picture of men and women like David and Rahab that would be redeemed and saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus because he saves us from our sin. That was the revelation that he had that the child that he was to father, he was going to be adopting Jesus. He was going to raise Jesus. This Jesus was Messiah. And John the Baptist would even further clarify Jesus' role when Jesus came by the Jordan River and he said to everyone, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There Jesus is, God's Lamb. The one that takes away the sin of the world. See, there's revelation that comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. His name would call Emmanuel, God with us. Now, obedience Obedience sheds light on the hidden things of God. You want to know God more? You want to understand God more? You want to have a better understanding of your life and what's happening in the larger picture? Walk in obedience to the word. See, the word is not given just to accumulate knowledge. Knowledge is good. But the word is given to us so that we could know God better and obey him. And so you watch obedience that leads to righteousness, keeping God's law, ordering one's life by the word, but always packaging it in mercy and grace, reflecting the heart of God. Obedience will bring you into a place of revelation for your own personal life. And you'll see that bigger picture of the kingdom of God. But it does something else. You know what it does? When you start obeying, you gotta carry. You have to carry a cross. Look at the text with me. In verses 24 to 25, when Joseph woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Now, he could have been like Zechariah. Well, how am I going to know what you're telling me, Gabriel? He could have been, even though Mary was noble, Mary said, how is this going to be? But that quiet man just simply did what the Lord said. Disobeyed. And he took Mary. He was going to raise a family. He raised his family. And you see that he took Mary as his wife. Here he is, protecting her. Uh, He knew the gossips in Nazareth. They were there. How many months did you say they were married? How old is you? One, two, wait, wait. How many more? He knew what Mary would suffer throughout her journey at the well, in the market, in the town. He looked at his son Jesus, and he knew that Jesus would also suffer. It followed him into his ministry where they questioned his legitimacy. See, he was going to take this house and raise them for his heavenly father. Now, I could imagine Joseph feeling what most people would feel, not qualified. How could you raise Messiah? How could you raise Jesus the promised one. I mean, look at his qualifications. He wasn't a scholar. He wasn't a teacher of the law. He didn't have any means. Of, he was a blue-collar worker. He was an average Joe. But God chose him, not because of talents, not because of position, but because of heart. He was obedient. See, he was going to teach his son a lot, a whole lot. He was going to raise his family. There's a picture of Joseph and Jesus in the carpenter shop. It's a 17th century preacher. It's called St. Joseph in the carpenter shop. And here Joseph is an older but sturdy, strong man. And there, Jesus is a young child. And Joseph is leaning down as his son is watching him. And if you look very carefully, Joseph is making a cross. Joseph's obedience was an example to Jesus because he too would have to obey And when you obey, it involves responsibility. And that's exactly, exactly what Joseph was doing and what Jesus would see. It was Martin Luther, the great reformer, who said he could not even call God father for years because of the terrible relationship between him and his earthly father. Our heavenly father chose Joseph to raise his son Jesus to be the savior of the world because he simply knew 
how to listen, how to obey, and he did it carrying that cross willingly. He guided his family. We have a responsibility in this culture that's gone anti-Christ, in this culture that has gone far, far from God to guide our children in the things of God. It says in the second chapter that an angel again appears to him and says, get up, take this child and his mother, go down to Egypt. Now, how might Joseph have felt? God, it doesn't seem, doesn't make sense. A lot of things don't make sense in life. Following God doesn't make sense in life. Obedience to God doesn't make sense in life, but it works. Here, Joseph is going to obey. He goes to Bethlehem, his hometown, but no family members have room for him. I wonder why. There it seems like everything goes wrong. A manger, animals, not a decent place for the Messiah to be born. It's it's hard to understand. Don't try and understand God's ways. His ways are not our ways. It's so hard to comprehend how he does things just simply Obey, listen, follow. He hears that Herod is going to destroy the children two years old. This is two years later. There he goes down. Thank God for all the gifts that the Magi's brought because he would have a stay in Egypt. But see, Joseph was going to remind us of Joseph in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis who God also spoke to and dreams, and this Joseph in the New Testament, God speaks to him, and he goes to Egypt, and Jesus is gonna come back up to Nazareth, and he's going to follow the leading of God. I don't know where your families are personally. Following God is a responsibility It really involves taking up a cross. Doesn't mean things are going to be easy. But your obedience to God in the long run will pay. You never come out short by doing his will, by following him. Someone has said, uh, to choose what is difficult all of one's days as if it were easy, that is the obedience of faith. I was reading a story about Jamie Winship. He had a great job here in the States, but then he felt called by God to teach in Asia in a predominantly Muslim university. He would share his faith. He was a devout Christian. And one of the students was saved. And one of the deans in that school became very angry. Dean Rahman. Rahman brought him before his colleagues and said, he has broken our law. He has brought in heresies. And the American consul didn't want to have anything to do with this situation. They just washed their hands of it. So here Winchell was before his colleagues. They were going to determine his faith. They were talking about 10 years in prison. 
The Christmas season is always a busy time of year. The hustle and bustle to get all of the gifts wrapped and ready. The preparation of the meal where the family gathers to celebrate. It's easy to lose sight of what's most important in this season. We're sharing this special four-part series on the Advent season with hopes that Jesus truly will be the reason for the season. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith, subscribe to the Building in Faith podcast. By subscribing, you'll always be up to date with the latest messages. Or, if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say Merry Christmas. Your word.